0: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Boobie Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. you listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie.
0: No question. With all due respect...
1: This is Sports Power Talk with the latest in sports news.
0: Your Akron
2: Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State
1: Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and, of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the... You plane. know what?
0: <laughs> it's, it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Wrong, I think that was textbook top cheese.
1: Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT.
2: What is going on, Zips fans and SPT enthusiasts from near and far? It is Thursday afternoon, and guess what? It's time for a special time slot for this week only of the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever would be. Some would even say the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. You know it's time for Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am back for this week as your host. Joining me for today's show... He's the political enthusiast and future campaign manager for the 2032 presidential election. He is Mr. Matt Brumica.
3: How are we doing, everyone? I was targeting 2056, actually. (laughs) Uh, A while down the road, but...
2: And also joining me today, my on-air rival, the man with the sports takes I'll never truly comprehend, your WZIP sports director and lover of all things Mayfield, evil Mr. Jake Murad.
1: What's going on, everybody? Yes, I am a lover of all things Mayfield, Logan, and it's very weird. It's a Thursday at 1 o'clock. We're on air. Couldn't be happier to be back on air. It feels like forever since uh, Sports Power Talk has been in all of your lives. It does feel like forever.
2: And now that we're acquainted, let's get right into this afternoon's agenda. We'll kick it off with today's show with some Zips athletics, followed by some college football playoff talk. Next up, we'll dive into the National Basketball Association and, of course, our hot mic segment, if you haven't said any questions yet, head over to our Twitter. You can still ask questions to be a part of our show. Then we'll get to talk a little bit of Cleveland football and finally make our weekly pick em. So without further ado, let's get right into this afternoon's show, starting off with Zips men's basketball. Guys, the Zips played a little bit over the break. First off, we have their game versus Maine, and we do have John Gross talking a little bit about that game. So let's hear from Coach, Gros- Coach Gross on the matchup versus Maine.
0: Uh, Obviously great win for us Um, Really have a lot of respect for Maine I thought they ran great offensive uh, Schemes coming into the game Uh, Had a great win at Boston College Had two other road wins in addition to that Um, Thought they played well in London Lost a game at the end a little bit Just like we did at Nevada Or against Nevada Where they probably felt like they should have Should have had another one And uh, so great respect for them I think they're very well coached And uh, we obviously played really well
2: the Zips did play really well, defeating Maine eighty-seven to fifty-five. Guys, what do you make of John Gross's comments on that matchup?
3: You know, I kind of I I agree with everything you said right there, and uh, that was just a great performance by Akron. Uh, that was one of those games where everything kind of just goes your way, and it was one of those nights where all of your shots are falling. They shot fifty-four percent from the field, fifty-five from three. Uh, Xavier Castaneda had thirty-three or thirty-one. One of the I know it's an odd number.
1: Thirty-three.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He had a new career high. I mean it was it was a great night. Everything was falling. Great performance by Akram.
1: Jake what about John Gross? What a humble guy. You beat Maine by 32, and then you're talking he's, about how he respects Maine and <laughs> he's their performance such a good and, dude. Yeah. in London. and You know, you beat a team by 32. Xavier Castaneda has a career night, scoring 33. He enjoys that win. Of course, they wanted to build on that. We'll talk about the Bradley game here shortly. But Maine, in that game, they only had two scores in double digits, and both scored only 10 points. Maine also had 23 turnovers and were out-rebounded by 14. I mean, this game was just dominated by the Z. We shot the ball well. Everything was falling, and a 32-point margin of victory really proved that. Absolutely. And speaking of
2: Xavier Castaneda's career night, let's hear from John Gross talking a little bit about the Zips on court play as well as Xavier Castaneda's big night.
0: So I thought defensively we were impactful, turning them over 24 times, thought our trapping was really good, thought we were aggressive, and then offensively I thought we were really good in both halves highlighted by Castaneda shooting the ball as well as he did. I thought it was a great performance by him. Uh, and Quite honestly, he played exactly like he practiced the last three days. So great lesson for our young guys to see when you're vocal and you care about winning and you compete on everything and you talk to your teammates and, and do the right thing, that sometimes it comes back to you. And I thought it certainly did
3: for X today.
2: That was Coach Gross on Xavier Castaneda's big night as well as the Zips on court play. Matt, I'll start with you. What do you make of John Gross's comments?
3: You know, he's just such a humble guy. You know, Castaneda has a career high, and he's still talking about fundamentals and everything coming your way. It just shows this team that it's that's exactly what they are. They are a team. It's a collection of people coming together for one common goal, and it just seems like everyone was happy for Castaneda that night.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Matt. It just—it was such a great game for the Zips. It was the fourth win on the Zips' winning streak at the time before that was broken by Bradley. But a great game. Xavier Castaneda went off, and everything that John Gross and, Matt, what you said, I agree with. Absolutely. It was a fantastic game for the Zips. And then moving forward,
2: the Zips also played against Bradley. Not so great a result there for the Akron Zips with a final score of seventy four to fifty five. This game, of course, was away at Bradley on Thursday, last Thursday. Guys, what did you make of this matchup versus Bradley, and what went wrong for the Zips?
3: Well, it was it was the exact opposite of what the main game was. You had against Maine, you had everything falling, and you had people facilitating looks for everyone else. Uh, Against Bradley, you shot twenty eight percent from the field, and you had six total assists. Just the team had six assists in total. It's a complete night and day difference uh, from what you had against Maine the other night. Well, I didn't
1: see that. So that six total assists. Six yes.
3: wow. total assists. Not like the leading assister had six. No, team had six. Wow.
1: Yeah, Logan, you asked us what the problem of that game was. One, I would say six total assists on the night for the Zips. <laughs> but two, the Zips were not playing at the jar. That was their first game on the road in the month of December. And the game was on the 22nd. So it was their first game on the road of the month. It was the 22nd of the month, and the Zips fell to seven and five. I'm not really surprised by the result. Really, I would have hoped it to be a closer result than 74 to 55. But I mean, field goal percentage, like Matt said, 28.1 percent. We weren't passing the ball well. I mean, it just was not the Zips game. Definitely was not the Zips game. Like you said, I agree. I think the fact
2: that they have not played in a away game in quite some time is impactful on their performance on the court because when i saw the the bradley score i was very shocked i remember matt being very shocked matt i believe you were working and you no, said no i was
3: on a flight like i landed <laughs> like so i landed and you know my phone's blowing up on the plane cuz i have service again and like i just see pat and the group chat just melting down and like i text i'm like okay what exactly is bradley how did they beat us what happened <laughs> i was on a flight next to a screaming child it was <laughs>
2: that sounds like an unenjoyable day for you, Matt
3: yeah, It wasn't that bad
2: <laughs> But moving forward Next up, the Zips have Concord We are back in the jar for this game Thankfully Guys, let's talk a little bit about the matchup versus Concord And what you expect out of this game
3: So when I look this up on the uh, good old Four Letter Network's website You know how they have the analytics thing that gives like the win percent chance I've never seen it at above 99% Before the game even starts and I'm like, well, I looked at Concord's record. They haven't – they played Kent State this year and lost by 50. But before that, they actually haven't played a Division I team since 2019. So I would okay. absolutely love to just have another blowout win. I think Kent beat them 106-55. to 55. Let's beat them 107-54. to 54. Just rub it in.
1: <laughs> Jake? Yeah, I agree. Concord is 7-2, 5-1 on the road. But as Matt said, their strength in competition – is is very very weak and they were on a five-game winning streak before they lost that game on the 18th to kent state by 50 points the zips return to the jar tomorrow night where they are 6-0 and at home i think the real question here is not if the zips are going to win but realistically if the zips are going to score more than 100 points my answer to that is yes i expect the zips to have a huge game before we go into mac play next tuesday
2: Absolutely. I think that the Zips will have a huge game as well. And looking down at the stats for the last two times that Akron has played Concord, in 2017 we beat them 86 to 49 and in 2019 we beat them 100 to 50. So, I'm assuming it's probably going to be the same same result. You guys think so too?
3: Hopefully, go jam the jar everybody. Absolutely. Get down there. Get in there. Well,
2: so jam 200. Jam the jar indeed. Guys, moving into our women's basketball team. We have, they played Stetson over the break. What did you guys make of the women's basketball game versus Stetson?
3: Yeah, that was one of those games where they got down early on, but they uh, clawed their way back. And, you know, they held Stetson to seven points in the second quarter, so that's just great defense by the ladies' ips. Uh It's always great to have those, like, close games where you just scratch out early on in the season just so later down the road you're battle-tested. So can't complain too much there.
2: Absolutely,
1: Jake? Yeah, this is a game that we're keeping everybody updated on Sports Power Talk on the eighteenth. Our most previous show, and we did win fifty-eight to fifty. We were kind of talking about the slow start of the game, only uh, scoring ten points in the first quarter, down sixteen to ten. And then, as Matt said, rebounded in the second quarter, uh, outscoring sets in eighteen to seven. Reagan Bass had a great game as always, eighteen points, eight rebounds. Really a standout game for Dominique Camp as well, twenty points on seven for twelve shooting. And the zip struggled shooting. The the three ball only made four of them at 20% in the game, but ultimately it was enough to get the win. Absolutely. The Zips came away with the win, 58-50. to
2: And then the next matchup for the Zips women's basketball was on Monday, December 19th, and that was a win 64-60 to over Bethune Cookman, who just hired Ed Reed as their football coach, as a side note. However, sticking with women's basketball, the Zips did come away with the win. Like I said, guys, what do you make of this one?
3: Yeah, that was one of those games where it was a bit closer than it needed to be. I believe they were 1-8, uh, Bethune-Cookman was, if I said, I hope they yep, said that said Yeah, that's right. correct. Yeah, they were 1-8 and eight going into the game, and it just felt like we couldn't really put them away. We had a, I think it was a nine-point lead going into the fourth, and they just, we couldn't put them away, but at the same time, you're walking out with a win, and you're going into Mac play with on a nice winning streak, so can't complain again.
1: Yeah, I agree man. I guess Bethune Cookman is going to be on the map now but because of Ed Reed being hired as their football <laughs> that's coach. That's the only reason I knew the name of the school. To be I honest. didn't even know that. I
3: didn't either and I've yeah. been following that Ed Reed thing and I'm, I could not put two and two together. I'm like <laughs> yeah. that's a weird school name. Oh, Ed Reed got a job and I just didn't think to you, you know look up for my phone so yeah
1: but the I'm in the same boat as Matt there but against that game I mean I was kind of surprised by the final score sixty four to sixty the Zips d- did end up winning the header classic uh, Reagan Bass and Molly Neitzel both scored seventeen ultimately I just think the Zips were lucky to come off of that game with the win they turned the ball over eighteen times and again struggled from behind the arc only making five threes on twenty three point eight percent shooting thankfully we got the win we won the tournament and hopefully we can move on to better things absolutely
2: hopefully the zips will move on to better things i agree with you there jake before we move away from akron athletics the zips women's basketball team does play today back at the jar playing coppin state who comes in at three and 10 the zips are eight and two let's talk a little bit about this game before we move forward guys what do you think
3: oh jam the jar first off go support and then Let's get one more win before MAC play. It's always good to have wins, especially when it comes to tournament time. Just start racking them up now.
1: Yeah, you mentioned their overall records, but the Eagles of Coppin State are 2-8 and eight on the road and the Zips are 5-1 and one at home. Of course, this matchup comes uh tonight at the jar. Coppin State is only 2-4 and four when they reach 59 points uh, this season. We do have to watch out for their guard, Jewel Watkins, who averages 13.9 points per game and is the Eagles' leader on offense. But really, my expectation is for Reagan Bass and the Zips to have a field day tonight. I absolutely agree. Like Matt said, jam the jar. Come
2: out and support the Zips women's basketball team if you are still in town. But sticking with college sports, let's move into college football. Unfortunately, we are not talking about the Zips today. The Zips will not be a part of the 14 team playoff. Really sad. Really it, thought they had a shot. It,
3: it's okay. I'll just play uh, NCAA 14 again and just win 12 more natties.
2: <laughs> but sticking with college football nonetheless, talking about of course, the college football playoff, which will kick off on New Year's Eve here on Saturday. First up, Michigan, that team up north, Michigan versus TCU. Guys, this should be a pretty good matchup to start off the day at 4 o'clock. Matt, I'll start with you. What are your takes on this matchup?
3: Okay, I have one really random gripe to get out of the way with this game first off. So they're playing this game in Phoenix and the other game in Atlanta. In what universe do you play the West Coast game before the East Coast game. That should, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm sorry. That's my one little side tangent. But uh, <laughs> no, I expect Michigan to uh, win pretty comfortably. I think currently there's seven and a half point favorites depending on which sports book you look at. Uh, you know, it's probably 12 hours before you can legally bet on it in the state of Ohio. But if you... It, I, I would take I would take Michigan to cover that in a heartbeat. I think they're just a physical team. I think they can shut down TCU and their big twelve offense. Pray for TCU's front seven because I think Michigan's offensive line and running game will really just make them hate their day. Michigan wins comfortably.
1: Yeah, I agree with a lot of that breakdown. I don't think Michigan wins comfortably. I think TCU is being a little bit underestimated just because TCU, they've made a point of it all season long to come back from large deficits. Every There's like four games this season where they have come back from a deficit. They couldn't do it in their uh, conference championship game against Kansas State, but they are a team that you can never count out. For Michigan, though, I think Michigan is just a team – I don't really think they're great everywhere or they're great anywhere, but they're good everywhere. Yeah. The run game is really solid, but I can't pinpoint one place where Michigan, I'm like, yes, that is their biggest strength. They are great at that aspect of the game of football. They're just a very well-balanced team. And I do expect Michigan Michigan to go on to the national championship game. And I feel like a lot of people that watch and cover college football are already penciling in the amazing blue to play for the conference championship, or for the national championship.
2: I 100% agree. I agree with that take as well, that Michigan doesn't really have a key spot that you can pinpoint as their thing. Earlier in the season, I probably would have said it was the run game, but now that Blake Corum is injured, I would not say it's the run game. I think there really isn't a single spot that makes them great. But I agree with you. They are a good team, and I would pencil them in as well. TCU, nonetheless, great team, but I don't see them with much else other than Max Dugan and... I just don't see it for TCU, to be honest with you. And as much as I don't want to pick Michigan to win this game, I am going to pick them because I would love to see them play the Buckeyes in the national championship. So let's transition over to number one versus number four, Georgia and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Jake, I'll start with you as a Buckeye fan. What are your thoughts heading into this game?
1: So a couple of weeks ago when the playoff committee were making their selections, Marcus was on the show while we were revealing the top four seeds And he was talking about how the Ohio State Buckeyes were going to be the dog food of the Georgia Bulldogs come this Saturday night matchup. And it's hard to disagree with it. I mean, Ryan Day is certainly questionable with how he's running this offense under C.J. Stroud. And I think the C.J. Stroud pairing with his wide receivers, they, they could do a lot of damage against that Georgia Bulldogs defense. But the Georgia Bulldogs, they are known for their defensive line and their linebackers this season. And for the past couple seasons, Georgia is just a wrecking ball on defense, and their offense is good enough to put up some points as well. As a Buckeye fan, it hurts me to say this, but I do expect the Bulldogs to win this game. Matt?
3: Yeah, Jake, I think there's you struck the well, what's the analogy? The nail on the head with the <laughs> with the Ryan Day thing. Uh, you know, for the first time in Ryan Day's career, he has to coach to not lose. And what I mean by that, he can't get over infatuated with the screen game. He can't just start running stretch plays. He has to go for the jugular. You know, it's it's crazy Ohio State might be like, the first college football team to be better on paper than they are on the field. And what I mean by that, you have the best wide receiver in the country and you have a quarterback that's been talked about going number one overall in the NFL draft. Yet for some reason, you don't let any of them, you know, like, you don't, you don't let them loose. Am I making sense when I say that? Yeah. For the first time, Ryan Day, be aggressive. Please, mm-hmm. everyone knows is good. They probably have at least six starters that are, that are going to be starting on NFL teams next year. No one's really expecting much out of you. So just say screw it. Everything you've wanted to call, but you've been up by 35, go for it. You literally have nothing to lose. And if you somehow manage to pull off this upset, first off, good for you. Hey, you could redeem yourself in front of America. The game in the national championship. Ryan Day... Please don't be too conservative with this because all my friends and family are Buckeyes fans. I can't deal with them having a ruined New Year's Eve because of you. So just go for the jugular every snap, every play you call. Go for the jugular.
1: I agree with that, Matt. And there's a reason before the college football season even started that I said that Ohio State was going to win the national championship and C.J. Stroud was going to win the Heisman Award. And I was 100% confident in both of those beliefs. And the reason those things aren't happening is because of Ryan Day. He's holding back the true capability of this Buckeyes offense.
3: Yeah, why? Why just uh, throw it to Marvin Harrison deep when he can throw a bubble screen to Abduka or just you know, <laughs> throw throw a quick little glare out to the tight end, or give it to uh, Mayan Williams on third and six? You know why, why? Why use your best players when you can just do other things?
1: Yeah. And if you're Ryan Day, I had this conversation off air, thought I'd bring it here because it's it's really an interesting one. Ryan Day, of course, you know, we talked about if he should keep his job after the second straight loss to Michigan. But if you're Ryan Day, you beat Georgia, you go on to the national championship to play Michigan. If you lose that game. Oh, no. Stop. You're done. You're done. Right. Can we all agree that you're you're, done? I would agree. You you have to you You should be done.
3: But you'd beat the Georgia Bulldogs, right? So that's, you put stock into that, but then you such, lose to
1: Michigan three times in a row. That's
3: such a like a weird, weird scenario right there, and I it'd be so interesting to see it play out, but I wouldn't want it to play out because I think that's the most unlikely scenario. But,
1: but if you're so, if you're Ryan Day, do you rather? Because I think if Ryan Day loses to Georgia, he keeps his job. But if he beats Georgia and loses to Michigan, I think he loses his job. If
3: you lose the game in the national championship, you know, if (laughs) If, if, there's
1: a standard set at Ohio State, beat that team up north. if,
3: If that happens, all right, and like Ryan Day is getting outcoached by Jim Harbaugh in the national championship again, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm just live tweeting everything and just waiting for Ohio State to just give me an unfathomable amount of money.
2: You think Mike Vrabel would be interested in that job?
3: Yeah, he's a he's a former Buckeye. I think he would love that job. Look, Tennessee is imploding. We'll talk about that later. But I think Mike Vrabel would lick his chops if Ohio State would just pay him whatever he wanted. Okay. I feel like
1: best-case scenario, obviously, for Ryan Day, beat Georgia, beat Michigan. Win the national but championship. just the, the odds of him even going to the national championship, if they beat Georgia, huge accomplishment right there. But does that accomplishment mean nothing if he loses for the third time in a row?
3: To that team up north. That's such a chaotic scenario. And I think I, he gets fired if that happens. I haven't let my mind go there, but now I like, it, it, I have so many thoughts on it. I can't get any of them out of my mouth. It's great, but that. The, what do you do there? <laughs>
1: I guess you root for TCU, but then you want the revenge over can Michigan. And can, can, can the you imagine like if game? Ohio
3: State makes the national championship, but it's against TCU? Like if Ohio State wins the national championship by beating TCU, like when you like would that feel like i don't want to mm. say like that would feel wrong to wear that ring cuz it's like yeah we're national champions but we don't have the big 10 title and we didn't beat michigan so we did we, georgia though yeah and and you have a national championship but that just feels like it feels like getting the correct answer without doing like any of the homework have you ever just like guessed on a math test and gotten it <laughs> completely right that's what it would be like if you win the national championship by beating TCU in the national championship I get it, but I mean beating Georgia—that's definitely something. It it wouldn't feel—it wouldn't feel as good as winning the college football playoff the first time when we beat
1: Alabama and Oregon. Like that felt huge. Yeah, yeah. Not the same when it would be Georgia, which is huge. But then again, TCU—not a huge win for me as a Buckeye fan. First of all, isn't it unbelievable that we
2: live in a world where you could win every game except that one game? And you're still subject to being fired.
3: Ryan Day is 45 and five, and we're talking. And we're talking like,
2: about firing him. In,
3: like in Jake's hypothetical scenario, he would be 46 and six with two national championship appearances, and he'd be unemployed on January 10th. Unbelievable. That's the I mean, Ryan that's Day has said it.
1: Number one, beat or win the win the rivalry game. Number two, win every game. Other than that. Oh, he's not. A, he's not getting goal number one. Then yeah, you're not meeting your standard of being a head coach for the Ohio State Buckeyes. I I agree with you. To
2: be honest, I think it's a situation similar to John Cooper. John Cooper was the Ohio State head coach. Could not beat Michigan. Great coach. Just didn't understand the rivalry and was fired for it. And I think if you go, if per se, if the national championship really is Ohio State and Michigan. If you go into that game which will be the highest rated possibly football game
3: maybe sporting event in American history <laughs> like it will be the highest game, rated sporting event that game event had ever. 25 million views like just the regular season game it, I could not imagine that like it's not competing with the iron bowl or any of no. the other rivalry games that is the game, that is the national championship it and will, it's the
2: game it will blow away super bowl viewership we
3: could pro- I think that game might draw in 50 million viewers
2: yes so say he loses this game on the most viewed college sporting event ever, and it's against Michigan again. You lose to Michigan twice in one season. Jake, you're saying that he keeps his job just by beating Georgia. If he beats Georgia,
1: loses to Michigan, in the, he loses his job. I would 100% agree. Yeah. Do you agree, Matt?
3: I think beating Georgia has to mean. I think he would get another Power Five job the second he's fired. I of think, course, I think Tuesday, January 10th, he might be out as Ohio State head coach. But he would. I I'm just trying to think of a team that might Cincinnati would throw any amount of money at him in a heartbeat. Uh, you think they fire the dude? They just hired for that? I, I'm so I'm blanking on the coaching carousel right now. I was he, not. I was not anticipating like the Ryan Day being fired pipeline happening <laughs> right now.
2: I wasn't either. It's not in the outline.
3: Oh, you want to hear like? Here's another chaotic scenario. He beats Georgia, but loses to TCU in the national championship. I think that would that that's due for firing.
2: Yeah, I agree. Especially if you. If it ends up being TCU, we just talked 100%.
3: The best thing for Ryan Day's job security is to lose on Saturday. Either lose that to Georgia. The, that is the best thing for his job security is
1: to lose yeah. Saturday. Either lose Saturday to Georgia or beat Georgia and root for TCU and hopefully you play them in the national championship.
3: Ryan, I hope you're using the Radio FX app right now and listening to this. So, <laughs> you know. Throw in the towel, man. Wave the white flag. Everything I told you to do, no. Just start running the ball every down. Don't even throw to Marvin Harrison if you want to keep your job.
2: (laughs) So before we close out our first segment, let's talk about all the possible national championship matchups. First off, I will start with TCU and Georgia. If that were, per se, to be the national championship, what
1: way does that go? Bulldogs. Yeah, Bulldogs all the way. I think they have a field day against TCU. And again, TCU, they aren't really a high-powered team. They do come back from large deficits, but Georgia defense is so strong, offense can put up points.
2: I would agree. I think Georgia would blow TCU away. Wouldn't even be a close game. Next matchup we could potentially see would be Michigan and Georgia. If that is the national championship, how do you see that going?
3: I think Georgia wins still.
1: Yeah, I agree. I still think Georgia wins. Michigan, I don't think they'd be able to put up enough points to keep up with Georgia with Georgia's strong defense. Absolutely. I 100% agree
2: that Georgia would also blow that team up north away purely because I don't like them. That's all I got to say about it, to that's be honest. That's all you need.
3: That's all <laughs> you That's all the reason you need, Logan.
2: And then next up, potential national championship, Ohio State and TCU. Where would you see that one going?
3: OH. I-O? Thank you. Great
2: answer. I would see Ohio State beating TCU as well. Max Dugan can't do it by himself. And the Buckeyes just have too much firepower on offense for that. And, of course, this will probably take the last two minutes of our segment. Ohio State versus that team up north rematch in the national championship. Jake, I'll start with you. Break down what you expect to see if this were to be the national title.
1: I think Ryan Day, regardless of the conversation we just had, I think Ryan Day is still a great head coach. You guys mentioned his record. The only reason we're talking about him losing his job is because he hasn't been able to get the job done against the rivalry of the Ohio State Buckeyes or the rival of the Ohio State Buckeyes. With that being said, Ryan Day, I believe in him and the adjustments he would be able to make after losing to Michigan in the way they did at the horseshoe if they're meeting again in the national championship game, I think I would favor Ryan day and the Ohio state Buckeyes knowing that they met them once before and that Ryan day can make the adjustments, let that offense loose and win the national championship game over that team up North.
3: Matt, I don't think Ryan day has it in him to be just break every single tendency he's established in six years. That's true. If they were to rematch in the national championship, I it, it's the one it's, OSU-Michigan Day, the one year I am a die-hard Buckeye fan. I, th- Ooh, I think Michigan gets the better of them in the national championship. I'm sorry. That would be terrible.
2: I would... Wouldn't it? I'd probably cry. I'm yeah. having people over to my house on I'd New be Year's. Be and too. And i like,
3: I'm a Notre Dame fan. I
2: promise you I would not be speaking to anybody that is at my house on New Year's. I'd be in my room with the door locked, upset. So to avoid that, I'm going to pick the Eyes over that team up north. I totally see Matt's point. Ryan Day is definitely going to have to make some major changes but we will see i'm taking the buckeyes over that team up north in the national championship if it were to happen guys that's going to lead us into our first break next up we're going to be talking a little bit about the nba and of course our hot mic segment if you haven't gotten your questions in yet head over to our twitter account at WZIP Sports. reply to our tweet our hot mic tweet get your questions in and they will be answered on air stick with us right here on sports power talk Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Sports Power Talk. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me is... Matt from And Jake Marin. And we are here on a special Thursday edition of Sports Power Talk for this week only. Just finished up our talk about college sports and the college football playoff. Next up... We're going to be talking about the National Basketball Association and, of course, our Hot Mic segment. Once again, I mentioned it before. If you haven't gotten your questions in, head over to our Twitter account at WZIP Sports and make sure you get your questions in on that tweet. They will be answered on air if you want to be a part of the show. But starting off, let's talk about NBA on Christmas Day. We'll talk about two of the main games from that night. Starting off with Bucks celtics The Celtics came away with a 139 to 118 point win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis Antetokounmpo with 27 points. Drew Holiday with 23 for the Bucks, Jalen Brown with 29 for the Celtics. And of course, the big stat line, 41 points for Jason Tatum, who in my opinion is the eventual NBA most valuable player this season. Guys, this was a great matchup. On Christmas Day, on a holiday, what do you make of this game for the Celtics and the Bucks?
3: Logan, you stole a bit of my bit. Uh I I have written down this game proved to me that the MVP is Jason Tatum's to lose. You know, he that was a national TV game against Giannis Antetokounmpo, arguably the best player in basketball, and Jason Tatum was the best player on the floor that day. That was an immaculate performance. I You know, I have a I have a couple of buddies that are Celtics fans, so you know I'll root for them on the side when they're not playing the Cavs. And since the Cavs beat them twice, I will say I was rooting for Boston that day. Jason Tatum, that was a great performance. That was one of those that 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 was the game where made you realize why you love NBA basketball.
1: Yeah, Merry Christmas to Celtics fans. On paper, it was a great game. It was the first seed in the East. Right now, the Bucks have fallen to the third seed with the Nets surging right now to the second seed. But on paper, great matchup. Game-wise, though, the Celtics win by 21. Not that great of a game, really. Tatum and Brown showing why the Celtics are so dominant, showing why Tatum might end up being this win- this uh NBA season's MVP, and why the Celtics are just on their way to potentially winning the East in the playoffs, but if not, just the regular
2: season. Absolutely, Marcus. I can't believe I'm going to give this to you. I hope you're listening. Jason Tatum might be baby Kobe.
3: Oh, why, why do was, we even have to make the comparison? I, I don't know. I was I was on air for that. I completely forgot about the baby Kobe. Kobe. I
2: remember being absolutely wow. flabbergasted when he said that. That was yeah. the first show that I hosted. Yeah. And oh yeah. It yeah, really, yeah. really pushed me back in my seat. I had to like really actually recover from what he just said. But now here we are, probably around
3: eight months maybe? Eight he months ago, he might have made yeah. that comment. It was April. Yeah, I remember that. I just don't then.
1: think you liked it because when he said it, it was when he was beating up on the Celtics last year or the the, the Heat heats yes. last that's year in the, playoffs, in the Eastern yeah. Conference okay. Finals. So I think that's why it probably pushed you back because you were still, you know, Jimmy Butler. The still, I still am, Jake. Yeah, I mean, there's clips on that computer right in front of you. I'm that looking at them right now. Yeah, what, because my
2: finals it? matchup has not changed. and I don't want to get into Hello. it because it'll be a whole new argument. Oh yeah, the Heat Kings. Matt wasn't on for that Heat Kings and. NBA Finals this year. Oh, my.
3: Dude. Are you sober? I'm dead serious. You're sober. Light the when beam. you say the Sacramento, I'm not, I can put aside the homerism with the Miami Heat. Sacramento, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. And Kevin Werder. They're not coming out of the West. they are. They have to get through all the... They have to get through Luka, Jokic, the Warriors, Jamer... Okay, and? no. It's Sacramento. Like, Sacramento is the Browns of the NBA. Light the beam.
1: They're 18-15. and 15. You'll see. They're well, sixth in the Western Conference. You'll see. Well, they're You'll
3: also see. probably a game and a half out of first because the West is a joke, but... Yep. Wow. Okay, that was...
2: But we won't get too much into that because that I know something. Jake's over here fuming at that comment just like he was when i said it the first time no i mean Matt to you, my right just agrees with me so it's with, fine <laughs> how
3: can you say that with confidence
2: i'm a confident guy Matt. do I'm you like you.
3: believe in? like do you believe yourself or are you just trying to like i i refuse to believe that you believe that
2: i really do believe that okay and darren fox is an all-star this year first of all okay well or he should be. If he's not, then that's that's an L well, on the this, NBA. Yeah,
1: he's an all-star that's going to lead his team as far as Darius Garland last year led the Cavs to a play-in spot and didn't go anywhere.
3: Sacramento making the playoffs in itself is a miracle because they're Sacramento, but... Light the beam. Is that is that their, like, slogan? <laughs> Every time they win at
2: home, their player goes over... Hits the button, and the arena shoots up a beam into the air so everybody in, everybody in Sacramento can see when the Kings have won That, seem, game.
3: that seems like it's terrible for, like, epileptic fans. <laughs> that seems awful. They go, light the beam. And it's only light happened ten up. times. And they pi- smack imagine it. Imagine being a pilot, too, and you just like, why is there a giant K in the sky? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's only happened ten times this season.
3: Okay, well,
1: well, we'll move, we'll move away. From,
3: that was a statement. That was a, <laughs> those were sentences.
2: We'll move away from the Sacramento Kings as they did not play on Christmas. But sticking with the Celtics and Bucks games, I don't see either of them in the finals, as I just stated. But do you see either of these teams being in the NBA Finals come June?
3: Oh, I want this to be a playoff series because you can just tell these teams hate each other like every time like i was watching this game every time drew holiday dribbled the ball up court he looked like he wanted to punch whoever was guarding him like <laughs> right in the face i think that just might be drew uh, drew holiday's natural body language but like they look like they hate each other and jalen brown oh he oh he gets into every he gets under everybody's skin on milwaukee it's it's so fun just watch all that pettiness on one floor it's hard to judge the bucks because they're still without uh, Chris Middleton. Yeah. So correct. when
1: he comes back, things are going to change here. But the Celtics—they are so well-rounded. Of course, they have their two major stars, but they are great at playing complementary basketball. And right now, it seems like they are the team to beat in the East going forward.
3: Just imagine if they kept their head coach, man. If they didn't have to switch coaches like seven games into the year, hasn't really hurt them much. I, no, but at the same, I'm, that's what I give credit to the Cavs beating them twice because <laughs> they were still learning with their new coach.
2: You know. I agree with you there, Matt. I think that the Celtics would be even more unbelievable right now yes, if that whole fiasco did not occur. Because yeah. this right. whole offseason would have been a whole lot different for oh, Boston. Yeah. And I'm not even discrediting the new coach. They no, just won yeah, 139 no, he's, to 118. Yeah, no, he's, but he's doing fine. I don't see Ime Udoka ever coming back as their head coach. Suspension no. or not, he's probably just going to take uh, another job somewhere. Man,
3: I am done being nice to the city of Boston. I'm, I'm done. That was like enough niceness for the whole year for the city of boston out of my mouth (laughs) i'm gonna stop speaking about the celtics
2: and you know what i will stop speaking about the celtics too we'll move on to our next christmas day game probably the biggest one from the night was the final game between the nuggets and the suns this game was won in overtime by the denver nuggets 128 to 125 and aaron gordon put up probably the best nba dunk of all time, in my opinion. That dunk that
3: was insane. That dunk that was, was awesome. very
2: disrespectful to the Phoenix oh, yes. Suns. And I could definitely see it being the greatest dunk of all time, at least in the top three. You know, it was a regular a ball game. the other
3: night? Yeah. But I mean, I don't know, crit- man. You know it's a good dunk when you can't describe how it looked on the airwaves. I can't describe that dunk on air because I would get in some sort of trouble because that's how, like, violent it was. It really
2: was a violation
3: to the Phoenix Suns' human rights. Wow. Like, when I watched that, like, I was drifting off to bed, and, like, that woke me up because I just hear, like, Beth Moen and Richard Jefferson screaming, and I'm like, Okay. I'm back. That was awesome. Truly
2: an incredible dunk. The stat lines from that game, big-time game from Nikola Jokic again. Yes. 41 points for him. He went 41, 15, and 15. And then Aaron Gordon had 28 points, 2 assists, and 13 rebounds. And, of course, the highlight of the entire game. As for the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker left the game very early. Only played 4 minutes. Scored 2 points So stepping in in his place was Landry Schmidt, who had 31 points, 6 assists, and 2 boards, followed by DeAndre Ayton with 22, 2, and 16. I'm very surprised by Landry Schmidt. Way to pick it up for him in place of Devin Booker. Guys, what did you make of both teams during this matchup?
3: Yeah, first off, Landry Schmidt having a game on Christmas. That was not on my bingo card. No. That was probably the most out-of-pocket experience from that whole day, sports-wise. But no. Uh, overall if it wasn't for Luca's incredible stat line nikola Jokic's christmas stat line that would have had like the that was a wilt chamberlain stat line that was like that was absolutely impressive one of the most dominant triple doubles i'd ever seen and it's sad that like that only stayed fresh in our memories for a day or two yeah
1: that's a good point and like you said shaman had a great game on christmas day but That was really the only entertaining game to me. Yeah, the Lakers-Mavs game was close. The 76ers-Knicks game had entertaining moments. But for me, this just solidifies the fact that Thanksgiving football is better than Christmas Day basketball. Oh,
3: Oh, did you see the Christmas ratings for the NFL? I did not. The Packers-Dolphins had 25 million viewers. There you go. The highest NBA... Wait, I have the tweet pulled up. It's right on the top. The highest NBA game was under... 8 million. I have the actual tweet. Give me like 10 more seconds. I hate
2: to finally admit it, Matt, while you find that tweet. I hate to finally admit it, Jake, but NBA on Christmas is not the same without A, the Christmas uniforms, or B, any of your teams playing. Like, for me, way more interesting when the Cavs and the Heat are playing. I have the tweet. Go I ahead. It.
3: Uh, Ari Marov of Pro Football Focus. Packers-Dolphins, $25.9 million. Broncos-Rams, $22.5 million. Buccaneers-Cardinals, $17.1 million. The highest-rated NBA game was the uh, Bucks celtics and that was $6 million. Boom. Wow. So the lowest-rated NFL game nearly tripled the highest-rated NBA game for the day.
2: I'm it, willing to finally change my opinion, Jake. Without the Christmas Day uniforms... And without a team that you really care about playing, the NFL is more interesting to watch on Thanksgiving the uniforms than the really matter, though. But,
3: oh, the Christmas uniforms
1: yes, are cool. They, they were was cool,
3: real- but does it make you yes. want to watch yes. the games Maybe. just
1: because they're wearing a cool uniform? Yes.
3: When the Cavs were on Christmas all the time, yes. Well, yeah, when the Cavs were playing
1: the Warriors, I was watching I was that Ross. to watch Cavs-Warriors Christmas Day. I wasn't watching that because, like, Oh, yeah. You know, they're
3: wearing the those got, cool uniforms. The Cavs have an
2: underappreciated no, Christmas uniform. No, of all
3: Oklahoma time. City's one. Like, the first year they did the Christmas uniforms with Oklahoma City's. Was it like those the blue were, with the orange? Those were like lines? the baby blues. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The baby yeah. blue and whites. Those ones. Like, it complements
1: the game, but I don't think it's a reason to watch Christmas Day basketball just because of the former uniforms. Well,
3: so. it, was, it was nostalgia because it was before the NFL realized they could make money off of it. So just let us have our nice little memories, right. Jake. Let Fair us, ha- let us yeah. have our time.
2: Evil Mr. Murrin over here again. Yeah, stepping on everybody's fun with the Christmas Day jerseys. Nike, bring them back. We want them back. Jake Murrin wants them back. Jake Murray will watch Christmas Day basketball. He doesn't know he
3: wants it back. He doesn't know that he wants it back. Next year, when
2: the Cavs are on Christmas and they're wearing their boring uniforms that they wear every game, you'll want them back. If I would
3: love a Cavs Pelicans game on Christmas, oh my God. Be crazy. If that happens,
2: guess what? I'm probably not going to watch. You're not going to watch the Cavs on Christmas Day. No,
3: it's
1: Christmas
2: Day. Who cares? You talk to your it's family. It's Christmas Day. Yeah. I, 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 I said that with
3: immense sarcasm. Hey, I, I, know I know you did. I know my family's listening. I, love I all am of the Grinch, and I'm watching
2: NBA. Despite what anybody in my family says or does, I will sit on the couch in the middle of the festivities and watch the Cavs or the Heat play.
1: Like, this past Christmas, I had NFL football on in the background. I wasn't even really watching any sports on Christmas Day because it's Christmas Day. I just want to cancel so? sports on like major holidays. Anyway. Oh, what are you the what? Grinch?
3: You're the Grinch. I guess so.
1: We don't hey. need it. We don't need it. Why? But we haven't. But why? Well, why? Why? Because holidays aren't okay, except for Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is a very unique circumstance.
3: It's cool <laughs> when he agrees with it, guys. No, okay, but it's <laughs> obsolete. Okay, but Thanksgiving let's just is a cancel very... let's just cancel the New Year's six bowls, guys. Let's go start our resolutions I right would now. Love to. <laughs> Who I would love needs to. college football? You don't want bowl games on New Year's? Absolutely not. What
1: is wrong with you? Dude, you are you know reasons off the air that I don't really want to mention on these airwaves why I don't want guys, sports, bowl games on New Year's guys, Eve.
3: Sports are specifically for Sundays at 1 p.m. or Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 7 p.m. for basketball. Or if it's MLB, it's 1 o'clock on a work day. Okay, thanks, we know this, guys. <laughs>
1: Thanksgiving, though, that's always been a thing. That's always been a tradition. Because it's NBA, American. NBA and NFL sports on Christmas Day, that is still a very new thing,
3: and I don't like it. I'll leave it there.
2: All right, Jake. I don't want to hear you talk about it anymore, so we'll move on.
3: Scared of societal change. Ah.
2: (laughs) Oh, Jake. But moving away from the Christmas Day games, let's move on to the Mavericks game on Monday night, and more so, who actually cares about the game? What I'm referring to is Luka Doncic's stat line from that game. For those of you who don't know, Luka Doncic had an absolutely incredible stat line. And I'll start with you, Matt. Tell us what that stat line was and why people should be impressed. You're putting
3: me on the spot? Well, I'm going to tell you why they should be impressed. He's the world's greatest Slovak. Very true. From one Slovak to another, Luka Doncic, you are my idol. You are every pudgy Eastern European kid's <laughs> idol. Every single one of them. In his post-game interview, immediately after the game, the first thing he said was, I'm tired, I need a beer. And just, <laughs> my grandfather, John Faletok, who spent his retirement to open up a bar, that was him talking to me on well, right after Christmas. That was, Luke, I love you.
2: The stat line was 60 points. 21 rebounds and 10 assists, and which were, has never been done in it, NBA. And history. they
3: were down nine with 50 seconds left, too. They had that improbable comeback first where he missed the free throw on purpose, got it back, put in an incredible layup, and then he did that little awkward, like, dancey dance with, like, 0.6 left. You know what I'm talking about, Logan? Yes. Yeah, that was like, that was the Slovak in him right there.
2: Jake, what did you make of that stat line?
1: Yeah, I feel like the comeback there in the fourth quarter was just as impressive uh, as that stat line. I mean, that free throw sequence where he missed it, I think he got his 20th rebound in that moment yep and then just put the ball back up in the air and scored those two points to get it to a tie game and get it into overtime. I mean, it was incredible stuff from Luka, and it might be something that we just don't see again.
2: Absolutely. Fantastic stat line from Luka Doncic, and we will talk a little bit about it As we move into our hot mic segment, because one of our hot mic questions refers to this. So it is time for everybody's favorite segment, the hot mic segment. And I will start off with a question that comes in from Logan Buchanan, which is, With Luka's 60-point game, do you think it's possible for anyone to break Wilt's 100-point game record?
3: No. No. Luca, look, Luca looked exhausted after 60. That might just be because it's Luka. Uh, Devin Booker put up 70, but that was also a game that went into overtime, and he also looked exhausted. I don't think that record's ever going to be broken. I think if we are going to see a points record broken, it's going to be Kobe's 81, but I don't think 100's ever touched.
1: Jake? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. If it were to be touched, it would have to be a game
3: that goes into multiple overtimes. It would have to be like Steph Curry in like seven overtimes. and right. The final score is like 210 to 211, like something absurd.
1: Yeah, and these guys, like you said, they're so tired after putting up 60, 70 in Kobe's case 81 points I don't think 100 is possible for this generation of basketball players and the competition is just too tough now compared to back in the day when Wilt played and he got the 100 point record.
3: If LeBron or MJ played against mailmen yes that record record would not even be a record it'd be like 180 but you know.
2: I 100% agree I don't think that is really touchable Logan Buchanan I think Wilt played in an era where nobody else needed to touch the ball and nobody could defend Wilt Chamberlain because he was just somebody that had never been seen at that point in time. That height, that that skill caliber, there's many things about Wilt Chamberlain that just were working in that era. And in today's era, there are not players that will ever allow that to happen. I don't care if it's the end-of-the-bench players on the Detroit Pistons. That'll never. Everybody that's in the NBA right now is in the NBA for a reason. Back then, that was truly not the case. Next question we have comes in from my favorite WZIP sports fan, Jake Murren, a goat. Jake Murren, a goat, says, Thoughts on this at Congrove05. And I can't show you the graphic on air, but it is a picture of a Miami Heat game recently where the fans were supposed to hold up the word showtime. And it was messed up. The O and the W were in the wrong order, it's so it like says "schwow time." That's pretty great. I
3: remember, like when the Browns did that, it's and it was the like, same energy. Yeah.
2: So my thoughts on that, Jake and Goat, are I'm disappointed in our incredible fan base, but mistakes happen, and we're still making the finals, and the Heat are still the best team in the East. It's you, not even close. You say incredible
1: fan base, but you've been on these airwaves criticizing Miami Heat fans. For I criticize their them lack. for. Of appearance at these home games. I at the
3: beach. It's Miami. Yes. You don't watch sports in Miami, and that's yeah. why they're but, a bad sports I, town. The fans that love the, the heat. But,
2: but listen to me. The fans that love the heat love the heat. So okay. it doesn't matter how many of them are. We love the heat. But they're great. And you could too, Jake. And you could. Too. I'd rather not. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Another question from Jake Merida. Matt is not going to like this one. He says thoughts on Jake winning the WZIP fantasy football league, and well, before anybody even answers, because he's not going to win.
3: Well, you know he has Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's out. That hurts. He has Defa- Stephon. He has Stefan Diggs. Twenty minutes before we went on air, his injury designation went from probable to questionable. Oh, oh so <laughs> I'm not dead yet. And a lot of the guys Jake has to play, they have clinched playoff spots. So my hope is he ra- all of his Bengals and Bills players just don't play next week. And he has to scramble to f- put together a team, and then I would get epic bragging rights. That's that the would be the goal. worst.
1: That would be the worst. I mean, Stephon Diggs let me down against Casey in the two weeks. In those two weeks, Stephon Diggs combined for just over 50, excuse me, 15 points Ooh. in two weeks. So I'm not really expecting much out of him. It does hurt that Derrick Henry is out tonight, that means I'm going to probably start Deontay Foreman. Had a great week last week, but he really is hit or miss. We'll see how it goes. I do like my chances. You have but I'm less confident it. now than I was in that fantasy football playoffs preview podcast. You have no
3: it. idea how embarrassing it would be for Alex and I if one of us, the two people that did all the fantasy podcast, if if neither of us won. That would, that <laughs> would ruin all of our credibility right there. I mean, we'd be second and third. But still, I mean, that's just such... I mean, my, such, ego, oh,
1: my ego is also... Such a blemish. Like, a 10 out of 10 in that podcast.
3: Oh, that was the most arrogant I'd ever heard you. Yeah, usually I really odd. brought it. You're usually a really humble guy. Like, well, like I was genuinely surprised. <laughs> yeah, like,
1: I'm way more humble this Thursday afternoon for Sports Power Talk, knowing that Derrick Henry is out, Stephon Diggs is now questionable, and, like you said, a lot of my players might not even play next week.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know...
2: Jake, you're probably regretting giving me Zeke Elliott right now, because now Tony Pollard is out
1: too. So yeah. Zeke Elliott
2: would have been RB number one for you
1: there. I would have loved to have Zeke Elliott right now, but Jamar Chase, I mean, I can't complain having him as technically my wide receiver too, which is incredible.
3: Yeah, thank you for thank you for that, Logan. That really helped.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, Matt. I'm rooting for you. I really am. I don't really want to see Jake win. Can't take it. And I can't take Jake Murren and Goat's comments on Twitter if he does. Oh, boy. Next question from Jake Murren. A goat says, follow me, Logan. (laughs) Nope. Moving on. Next question is also from Jake Murnigo. Is Tua a top ten quarterback, Matt? I am assuming this one was directed. Oh, good. Probably.
3: Was, so I have I have this ritual. I do not read hot my questions beforehand because I want an honest surprise for this. Okay. I actually this one came up in my feed when I saw like the hot my questions. I actually did that, and so I did my quarterback rankings at twelve forty five today. To see how they were. I have Tua Tugavailoa the eleventh best quarterback in the NFL. So no, he is not oh, a top ten quarterback. Interesting. And he is behind Brady, Rogers, Prescott, Lamar, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Mahomes. I think that's pretty fair. I think he's better
1: than Trevor Lawrence. No. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Trevor
2: oh, Lawrence man. is is him, man. Okay. He's on his way.
3: Goldilocks is about to win a playoff game. This season I think he's
1: better than Trevor Lawrence. Okay. I'll give him
3: that. Okay, well he well he's your fan, so
1: yeah, he's going to agree. I mean, I'm not saying he's top 5. <laughs> I think he deserves to be in a top 10 spot this season at least.
3: Okay. Well, we got other questions.
1: Yeah, moving <laughs> on. What was the best question, I mean, excuse me, Jake Murn's a uh, goat's next
2: question was what was the best Christmas present you got this year? Matt, go ahead.
3: Okay, my sister surprised me with an Evan Mobley jersey and I was not expecting that, but she said she felt bad because I got her Taylor Swift tickets for her birthday, and she's like, <laughs> Whoa. "I don't know how." She's like, "I don't know how Your I." Good can good brother, top. man. She's like, "I don't know how I can top that." And so I wasn't even expecting her to get me anything, and then I have like one last present under the tree, and it's like her walking this over to me, and it's a Mobley jersey, and it's like, okay, that that was awesome. So Is that, that fair, happen. Mobley Taylor Swift tickets? Well, it was. Wow. I I think it's pretty fair. Huh? I, I think it's pretty fair. No, on, I got them for. I didn't buy them on resale. No, I, <laughs> no, I. For, for what I got them for, it, it really it was a trade-off.
2: <laughs> Jake, I got a feeling you might be wearing your favorite Christmas present.
3: That I am,
1: man. wearing one half of it because I have two of these, two different colors. Similar things, though. Uh, my better half, my girlfriend, got me two shirts with uh, my podcast on it, my independent podcast called Forge in Ohio, where I interview these mixed martial arts fighters local from the Ohio combat scene. She got me two Forge in Ohio shirts custom-made. Absolutely in love with them. It's a pretty fantastic gift. Jake, my gift to you is still
2: on its way. I'm very excited. I I really, really, really need this shipping company to pick it up so I can give it to you. But I also really loved. (laughs) You guys are going to laugh at this one. I love the... 20 rolls of toilet paper that my sister got me because they are expensive and I live on my own and I didn't want to buy them. So cheers to my sister for that.
3: Shout out to your sister for that, honestly. (laughs) And
2: of course, for my mom and dad, my Miami Heat shirt because they're the best team in the NBA. And then two more questions before we head into
1: break. Jake Murnigo asks, what is the most overrated Christmas movie?
3: Uh, die Hard because
1: it's not a Christmas movie. Completely agree with that, but I'm also going to add Christmas Story and Christmas Vacation. Christmas Story is...
3: Christmas Vacation. No, that, you're wrong. That, no, that's, no, that's a crime. alright You're you're
2: and- you're wrong on that oh, one. wow. If the sounder wasn't playing right now, I'd hit the wrong answer button, but mine is definitely Christmas Story. I'll agree with you there. And our final question comes in from WZIP Sports alum Dan Groen, and he says, what is your New Year's resolution?
3: Uh, I don't have one because I know it won't last past January 5th.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have one either. I mean, I graduate in May, so maybe just, you know, setting myself up for something good after graduation.
2: Mine is sense. mine is definitely to be a little bit nicer to Jake Murn on air. Oh. We'll see though. Probably, like Matt said, will not last through January. So it's getting emotional. <laughs> so sad. <You're> tearing up <laughs> over here by the board. All right, guys. That's gonna take us into our next break. Stick with us as we will talk Cleveland Sports next, talking Cavs, talking Browns. You will not want to miss it. Stick with us on WZIP. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our second hour of the show. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Congrove, and joining me is
3: Matt Bermucan. I need to address one thing really Go quick. For it. All Go right? for Last it. segment, we closed off. Jake Murrin said, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is the most overrated Christmas movie. <laughs> Just for him to say immediately when we get off air, I've never seen it. How can it be that overrated if you've never seen it? I, uh, <sighs> There's
1: no proof of this conversation taking place. I have it was not text. said on Me and Logan air. So have the no comment. I got the text. We have the groupie notifications. Are so, yeah, but how are you supposed to relay that in an
3: audio format. Right screenshot, and we put it on Z A D H To Sports be fair, Twitter.
2: I haven't seen either movie from Jake Murren, and that will be on the WZX yeah, Sports but tweet, but you Twitter could be, later. you could be making that up, so... Not if I tweet it later.
1: Yeah. Or I
3: but could just, just log you, you out. You better change your name on GroupMe. You better change your profile picture. You better do everything. That- yeah, you're wow. about, I
2: already took the screenshot, though, so there's wow. nothing you can do about it, Jake. Okay. No comment. And, of course, as we just talked about, also joining me is... Jake Murray, unfortunately. Wow. (laughs) This is a good show, guys. I'm I'm really having a good time on the board. This is
3: really it's like just chaotic because we had eighteen hours to prep this. (laughs) But this is a fun time. This is a great time.
2: And I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad to be talking about Cleveland sports, everybody's favorite, starting out with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course, recapping the game from Monday between the Cavaliers and the Nets. Guys, what did you make of this game and Darius Garland's 41 points in this game, even though the Cavs did not come away with the win?
3: It was 46, actually. 46, excuse me. And why is it that Darius Garland is the only Cavalier that shows up when we play the Nets? Like, I noticed this in the play-in game last year, too. Didn't he have, like, 35 or something absurd then, too? I don't know what it is with this team. Whenever they play Brooklyn, it takes them two and a half quarters to remember, oh, we're a competent NBA title contender. Uh, I mean... this game, it was so frustrating to watch because they keep it close. I remember in the second quarter, second quarter, right before halftime, they brought it within five. And then they allow the Nets to go on this 18-4 to run to end the half. It's just so frustrating. This team needs to be better when we get to, like down the road. But just right now, just frustrating loss. But they have KD and Kyrie. You can't really do much about it.
1: Yeah, it was a frustrating loss to the Nets team. And the Nets, I believe they were like winners of 12 of the last 13 going into that game or something like that. The Nets are hot right now. They've climbed all the way up to the second seed in the Eastern Conference behind Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's great play it just seems like the, the Cavs could never get over the hump. They kept on coming back, coming close, and then the Nets would go on a surge. I believe there was a, a point either in the second or third quarter and Kyrie Irving hit like three threes in that, that a was minute. Like, that
3: was like midway through the – no, I think that might have been on the 18-4 to 4 run, but there was a stretch in the third quarter where Kyrie was just absurd too, yeah.
1: Right, and just they're so good and so well-balanced on offense. I mean – They're probably the best offensive team in the NBA when they can put it all together. They've won 10 in a row. They are on fire. Yeah, they are on fire. And, you know, the Cavs put up a good fight, especially in a game where Donovan Mitchell wasn't playing to Donovan Mitchell's ability. And it was great to see Darius Garland kind of show out against the Nets in an Eastern Conference battle that we might
3: be seeing come playoff time. That's scary. I don't want to play them in the playoffs
2: absolutely guys and the big storyline coming away from this game was off the court and it was of course Kyrie Irving playing in Cleveland and Chris Fedor of cleveland.com asked Kevin Love post game a question about Kyrie Irving that says should Kyrie Irving have his jersey retired in Cleveland following the end of his career And Kevin Love's response was without a doubt, absolutely. Right away after his career ends, it's not even a question to me. He needs to be up there. Guys, this is a very hot take due to the way that he left Cleveland. And I wanted to get both of your opinions on this. Jake, I'll start with you. Do you think Kyrie Irving's jersey deserves to be retired in Cleveland despite the way that he exited?
1: I think I agree with Kevin Love because as a young Cleveland sports fan, I've witnessed one championship. And that was obviously the 2016 Cavs team. And Kyrie Irving obviously was a big part of that. I think his number two jersey deserves to be retired for his performance. Obviously, it would be a PR nightmare for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But, I mean, Cleveland sports teams are used to PR nightmares by this point. Uh, I do think that his jersey deserves to be retired, though. Matt?
3: I don't know if it has to be right after he's he's retired or something. That's a good point. I think... I think we need to do just, like, something to just ease him back in. I think maybe, like, the 10-year anniversary of, like, Game 7, when he hit that shot, we put, like, a little statue outside Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse first. Uh, as long as he doesn't, a I feel like a statue that's is worse. No, yeah. no, it's not. It's a statue of just like the shot or something. You really, you think that's worse than retiring uh, you, you look at guys, jersey?
2: You get, you look at guys that get statues like Shaq, Jordan,
1: Dirk Nowitzki. They, you are,
3: don't think the shot to win you the finals in game not, seven is worthy? Like, no, I think it's
1: worthy of it's, a statue, but I think a statue is better for a player than getting their number you retired. You
3: think a jersey retirement is better? Okay.
1: I mean I, a statue. That's like outside a stat- of the stadium. A statue's or, like I you're mean, displaying that as like
3: that is because your guy. it won you a ring. It, no, it, it I is, I agree is, with it. It is one of the two plays that defines your franchise. It's that's it's the uh, is step back three and it's LeBron's chase down. We'll that make is the statue of the Cavans. chase down. Yeah, LeBron's gonna get a statue first. I kind of thought that was like just yeah. a basis like underlying thing. But if you're a player, you would.
1: But you think the, th- the bigger accomplishment is getting your number retired no, than I getting think be- a statue? No, I
3: think because it's Kyrie Irving, everyone in Cleveland would not overreact if it's, oh, this play won us the ring, and it's not, oh, here's the guy that's really questionable with his handling of certain religious minorities. I, I think I that think
1: the would- statue would probably get
3: mistreated, too. I think... Oh, I- Cleveland
1: fans would spit on it, kick it?
3: No, because it won us a ring. I don't know if ri- they would
1: kick a statue. It won
3: us <laughs> a ring. I think... Cle- I think it so,
2: would- you're telling me that... Let's put this into perspective of LeBron James. Yes, LeBron, you could either retire LeBron. LeBron's jersey or give him a statue of the block. Both. What means more?
3: Both. You retire his number. That means more. Well,
2: he, we know he's going to get his number retired. Like that's not even a okay, question.
3: Right. So yeah, his, reti- his jersey retirement means more.
1: Man, when you when you actually when you phrase it like that, knowing LeBron James and his legacy, I feel like no Cavalier should ever wear twenty three again. Of course not. Ever. See, like that, he and agrees with me again. And, and think about yeah. it. And uh, think about this. Look at that. But LeBron- Kyrie Irving's circumstance, I think. The statue would mean more for Kyrie Irving than the number. It's very, complicated. I think complicated. the statue think would be less
3: it. controversial because Kyrie Irving, the player, you would have Irving hanging up in Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for every single event. Whereas, oh, look, here is just, it doesn't even have, you don't even have to put his name, you don't, don't put his name on the statue. Just have it clearly say number two. And it's like Kyrie when he's putting up his shot. Here's Game seven.
2: Neither. I don't think he should have his jersey
3: retired and I don't think he should get a statue. So what are we going to put like are we going to give Kevin Love a statue when he like that awkward no. shuffle with Steph Curry? I think Kyrie Irving is
2: Kyrie Irving is the only member of that three-person tandem that does not get his jersey retired. What? I think Kevin Love gets his and we know LeBron gets his. LeBron is already like indirectly retired right now. Is like nobody's
1: really going to get his number retired. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I don't We know retired if he...
2: Jake, we retired Zydrunas Ilgowskis' number. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. <laughs> Zydrunas Ilgowskis was nothing but a good guy. He that's didn't do anything for the Cavs that was worthy of having his number retired. That's a rare good point. That me. was a PR stunt for the Cavs.
3: That's how we got LeBron back, remember? It's like we did it on a Miami Heat off day. Yeah, so he, he <laughs> would come. in. Lost in front of LeBron. But at the same time, like, they made every Cavs fan cheer for him. And that's what people credit, like, that brought him back.
1: But, it's a rare W for Logan, even though he just said a minute ago he'd want to kick a statue. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I just don't, I don't see, I don't think Kyrie is
2: really worthy of that, the way that he exited from Cleveland. And the way he still, now you can kind of see he's like, he tweets things like, oh, it's always good to lay in a Believeland. Like,
1: dude. Because he like, was
3: young and dumb. He, had, he went still is. The,
1: yeah. I've, I yeah. You're
3: gonna give Kevin Love a statue? Yes, like Kevin temper- Love Everest- is the, Remember is the tantrum- same. Go Remember, ahead, Matt. His, like his temper tantrums with like Colin Sexton, and you're gonna give him a statue because Kevin Love, Kevin Love had his ugly <clears throat> moments in Cleveland. He just didn't leave because his contract was too inflated that anybody would want it. So Kevin, Love-
2: you- Kevin Love a statue? No, Kevin Love has the same energy as Adrian Zalgaskas to me. Okay. Good guy. Sure,
1: but- I think that. Like I'm, most teams, I'm saying, I feel like you are putting teams, a
3: statue of that play. You are not putting a statue with Kyrie Irving, with him being the intended piece. You are putting a okay. statue of that shot. That that's shot not, that's not a bad.
1: That's not a bad argument. Saying it's it's it is the the moment, not it the is, player.
3: Yes, it's the there moment. You, you don't. I said earlier, you don't have to put his nameplate on it. You just have him going to like take you know shoot like in a shooting motion, like over Curry. Yeah, that deserves a statue. Kyrie Irving himself, no. LeBron, he gets a statue, do whatever pose he wants.
2: LeBron's number is already indirectly retired. Like, if you're an incoming player to the Cavs, there's no way you're picking number 23. If you are
3: number 23, I think you would... They, they the might, city of Akron wouldn't... Like would, they would hunt you. I don't they even would hunt think that the
2: Cavs would allow that. I think that oh, they're no. going to indirectly say, like, hey, we're going to retire this number. I think you so. were number
1: 6. Do you think the Heat retire number 6? Yes, 100%. Oh, but you still don't like LeBron? No. Even though his numbers would be retired by the two teams that you support the most in the NBA, yes, nah. okay. it'll be retired though. Just it'll be, out. and I think LeBron
2: gets twenty-three retired by the Lakers for winning the championship.
3: Really? Yes. Mm. Not though, six. Okay. Oh, twenty-three. All right. I see that.
2: I do not see them retiring six. They could definitely retire twenty-three though. All right. I think but, that's too much. Well, he's your GOAT, isn't he? So shouldn't he have his number be retired by everybody, Jake?
1: Could you imagine like him having three numbers retired from He'd be the only person teams? in league history. I mean, yeah, but I don't think he really deserves it for the Lakers. But he's not the GOAT. He's one, not the GOAT. If one championship does makes that star player on that team have their number retired, I don't like that. Okay. I don't like that, I correlation. See
2: that. I think Okay, so I'll give it to you. The Lakers might be questionable. Plus, he won a bubble championship. It wasn't even real.
1: To me, to to get your number retired, you almost have to be like the face of that franchise. Like, that's what that means to me. Okay. So, circling back to Kyrie Irving, then there's no way Kyrie Irving should have his number retired. That's why he
3: gets the statue of the play. Thank you for making my point. I win.
1: I win. I mean, when LeBron left, (laughs) Kyrie Irving was definitely a staple of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he did... It was garbage. They had, what, they had what, like 20? But he was garbage. They were
3: garbage. They were
2: garbage. Hey, yes, the team was garbage, but Kyrie Irving was not. But, oh, man, you're contradicting everything I'm thinking right now.
1: But Kyrie Irving was amazing during that time where the Cavaliers, yeah, of course, as a team, were bad. And then he did play a huge role in the NBA Finals and winning the Cleveland Cavaliers' championship. I think his number deserves to be retired. And sure, Matt, if you're going to argue a statue, immortalizing the moment, not the player, that's fine, too. Statue.
3: No jersey retirement.
2: Okay. We will move away from this topic, as this is very heated. My opinion would be neither. Matt's opinion is statue, not a jersey. And Jake's opinion is jersey, not a statue.
3: So, every possible
2: outcome. Yep, every possible outcome here go. on WZIP Sports. We'll move forward, though. But before I do that, breaking news here on WZIP Sports. Legendary Brazilian soccer player Pele has passed away at the age of 82, won a record three World Cups during his time in the world of professional soccer, huge loss for the world of soccer. Rest in peace to Pele. But moving forward, we will talk about now the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns.
3: <sighs> Browns are the Browns, man. Get frustrated. The Browns Let's are the get Browns. frustrated. For those Let's of you get
2: frustrated. who aren't like Jake Murren and enjoy watching football on holidays, the Browns played on Christmas Eve against the Saints. And Kevin Stefanski had one of the most questionable play-calling games he's had yet in his career. But the final score of that game was 17 to 10. The Browns were up 10 to 0 at half, gave up 17 unanswered points. So I want to start with you, Matt. Let's talk positive first. What would you say is something that went right for the Cleveland Browns?
3: That's the if you can even think of one. I'll say the uh, overall the first half. I think. The, f- the first quarter of that game was probably the ugliest football I've ever seen. And I think we all kind of expected that. And I think the players went in with that mindset. Cause remember, uh, it was negative 30. Uh, you know, I think all of us in Northeast Ohio, remember how that felt, but after Delpit got that pick, it kind of seemed like, okay, we can actually play a game that somewhat resembles football. And the uh, second quarter was kind of fine. Uh, you know, you had the touchdown drive where the run game was efficient after that Delpit pick, uh, and the Browns' offense, it did build a ten nothing lead. You built a ten nothing lead. The offense stepped off the field with four oh two left in the second quarter, and the next time the Browns' office offense stepped on the field was nine thirty five left in the third quarter. They played zero offensive snaps with their ten nothing lead. The Saints scored a field goal on their last drive to end the first half, which took it to halftime, and then they scored a touchdown on their first drive of the second half. The Browns built a 10-0 lead and played zero offensive snaps with it, and I think that that sequence right there is what cost you the game.
1: Jake? Yeah, that's not a bad take. I mean, the Saints executed their plan of scoring at the end of the first half, getting the ball back to begin the second half, and scoring again, which is exactly what they did to tie it up at 10-10, and all I have that went right was that first half for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they had the interception by Delpit. They had a Cade York field goal go through the uprights in That's, a very that windy was surprising. situation. right? That was surprising. And they had Deshaun Watson. I believe it was a 12-yard rushing touchdown. That was a great play call. And Watson was, you know, stepping into the end zone. It was a very celebratory moment. First half went right. Of course, everything crumbled when it came to the second half. Yep, everything
2: did crumble when it came to the second half, and that is what we will get into next, is what went wrong for the Cleveland Browns. And there are many things that went wrong, and I feel like there is one common thing we can all agree, and it had nothing to do with the people on the field. Matt, I'll start with you. What went wrong for the Cleveland Browns?
3: Well, you set me up for something. I didn't know what you were setting me up for. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, no, my uh, biggest what went wrong, I went and rewatched the All-22 of that game. The Saints had... Uh, Five possessions that took them across the fifty. On all, they scored on three of those possessions, either a field goal or a touchdown. On all of their scoring drives, they converted a third down of five yards or greater. You say what you want, that's just terrible situational defensive football. There was one. Ronnie Harrison had the. No, it was after the Watson interception. So the we held the Saints to third and six from, I think it was the 34, and if we had stopped them there in completion, it would have been like a 50-yard field goal, and in that weather and in that wind, that's not going in, and then either, even if you stop them, they still have a fourth and six. Pressure's on them. Ronnie Harrison just vacated the middle of the field. He was playing Will Linebacker. He just... He, he got sucked on an outside fade route, which if you're a linebacker, you're not looking on the outside. I don't know what he was doing. And then that's when it looked like, I forget which Saints player it was. He had a 15-yard window around him of just open space, and he just fell backwards to the first down. Uh, and then that's how the Saints went up on the lead with you right there. After the Watson pick, you blow a coverage on third and long, and then you no, know, you're playing the rest of the game from behind after your offense built a double-digit lead in a blink of an eye.
1: Yeah, I mean, you let a dome team beat you in one of the coldest Browns games of all time.
3: I don't like that weather. Inv- no, I I and don't like that. It doesn't that. matter anymore.
1: I don't, I don't either. I mean, there's been so much debate on radio recently of what is the Browns' ideal stadium. A dome? A dome? A, dome. a retractable
3: roof? A anything dome. but
1: what we have right now? Uh, football should not be played outside. I mean... <laughs> is it really football? Like, everybody's incensed with football weather. Like, it's, it's like, football, it's is like it really AFC foo- North
3: football. Right. It's
1: it's like, is it really football weather? No, when it's, that was
3: miserable.
1: Right. When it's hurting the team's ability to play the game of football, is that really football weather? I don't like, get it.
3: And people always make the argument, like, oh, they're an outdoor city. It's like, these guys don't live here year-round anymore. It's not the 1980s where you're barely paying the guys enough to, like, even just, like, pay for their mortgage. Right. Like, it's not the... Eight, like, just... Bernie Kosar lived here year-round. Ernest Beiner and Kevin Mack lived here year-round. Clay Matthews Sr. lived here year-round. People don't live here year-round. They are here for seven months out of the year, and then they go back to southern Texas or L.A. or wherever else they're from. That whole notion that, like, oh, you're a cold-weather city, that doesn't mean anything. I want all those people all of those people that was like oh this is football weather how was the game from your seat out there did you go because if you didn't go to that please shut up respectfully no not res- disrespectfully please shut up if you were not at that game after tweeting how this is this team is soft and like this is football weather they were letting people in the lower ball hope he got a great view Yeah. hope he got a great view
1: yeah they were calling for people to move down
3: yeah, they vacated the two upper dome, like upper bowls. And they probably did that to
1: make the game look better on television. Definitely. Because oh guess gosh. what? There weren't many people there because it was freezing.
3: It was negative 30 with wind chill. Yeah. Build yeah. a dome, Haslam.
1: Build
2: the dome, indeed. Talk a little bit about our $250 million guaranteed quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and his performance in the cold. Deshaun didn't look. Too bad when he was able... To, well, that's all Kevin Stefanski did that game was throw. So, Deshaun Watson looked okay. I wanted to get your guys' take on how he performed in the Cleveland cold that we're here discussing.
3: Yeah, I think he was fine. Uh, certain... like, Look, I, I know we, we've all probably seen people that have seen the box score and they are taking, like, their victory laps because it puts Browns fans in a bind where it's like... we. A lot of us are uncomfortable with Deshaun Watson. I'm kind of uncomfortable with him being my quarterback, but at the same time, like when I see people saying, oh, this is worse than the Russell Wilson trade, it's like, no, it's not, but I feel so... I I can't defend him because I don't want to defend Deshaun Watson. I think he looked fine. I think he made all the correct reads. I just thought there were times where... When you're throwing in 30 mile an hour wins, the ball sails on you. And I think a lot of those third down and fourth down plays were a lot of those, you know, crucial incompletions. It was because the ball was sailing on them. And it's not, you know, nothing you can do about that.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people are getting angry because they see 31 passing or passes in the game yeah. by Deshaun Watson. And they don't think that. He should have even gotten close to attempting 31 passes in a game that, like you said, negative 31, chill, whatever that I mean, might we be. We ran
3: the ball more than we threw. We ran the ball 36 times or th- 34 right. or 36. We ran the ball And every more single, single time through.
1: Kareem Hunt had the ball, it was going nowhere.
3: It was, you know, Kareem Hunt, two yards in a cloud of dust. Nick Chubb had a cu- Nick Chubb had a couple of decent runs. Other than that, like, the offensive line has been below average since week 11. Wyatt Teller's right. injury is catching up with you. I mean, you got Posik back, but when the Saints can just stack the box because it's like, okay, well, we know they're going to give the ball to Nick Chubb. Deshaun, you're going to have to try to throw this ball downfield in 30-mile-an-hour wins. No one can do that. And I don't like, – I, I, going back to the defense, Joe Woods didn't get that memo. He kind of just let the Saints run all over us because I –
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I just think people are upset about the 31 pass attempts from Deshaun Watson, but he was also kind of missing some reads there late in the game where people were open, he was just missing them. Also, his playmakers weren't making plays. Of course, the Amari Cooper dropped touchdown pass, Yep, that comes to mind. I mean, there were plays...
3: Jones dropped touchdown, the Joku dropped
1: touchdown. Like, these are plays that his playmakers, his receivers, need to make for him and his quarterback just I think everybody is getting too ahead of themselves here and I agree with Matt that he did play fine and I'm very anti Deshaun Watson I'm not going to defend him either but I think people are just kind of getting too ahead of themselves like,
3: it's so like uncomfortable to talk about this because it's like I'm not trying to like defend this person like, right. but like I have to be honest you introduced me as an analyst so I have to say he, he made the correct reads yeah the wind affected the foot uh, throwing the football it affected that for everybody Ah. But you know, it just really yeah. complicated, messy situation all around.
2: Yes, and speaking of complicated and messy, that talks that really refers a whole lot to the Cleveland Browns staff, and we're gonna play a little game here and it's called Who's In and Who's Out on the Cleveland Browns and we will start at the top. I want to get each of your opinions on this. Start at the top. Kevin Safansky in or out, Matt.
3: In only if he gets a new defensive coordinator. He has to fire Joe. He has to willingly fire Joe Woods. It has to be his decision.
1: Absolutely. And okay.
2: all right, moving down the line. Offensive coordinator, in or out?
3: Alex Van Pelt, he stays. Yes. Yes. If if okay, here's the thing. If Alex Van Pelt is moved, be worried because that's Haslam intervening directly. 100%. If he brings it, it unless Alex Van Pelt gets offered a head coaching job, which he's not, be very worried. If Alex Van Pelt is on a different sideline next year.
2: Jake, Alex Van Pelt in. I 100% agree. Alex Van Pelt stays. The offense has looked impressive, even under Jacoby Brissett and all the circumstances that they have faced. This one, I feel like, is going to be a very consensus answer. Joe Woods, in or out?
3: Send him to Guantanamo Bay.
2: (laughs) Out. I agree. Joe Woods should be out. I actually saw... I was in downtown Kent earlier this week. Unfortunately... Yes, gross. gross. But I was driving through, and there's there's a theater in downtown Kent. And up in one of the top windows... This is a theater that has nothing oh, to do you with... you sent that to yet. me. Yes. This has nothing to do... This theater has nothing to do with sports. And there is a sign in the top right that says, Fire Joe Woods. And this is like a musical theater. So there's people that don't even really care that are putting up signs in Kent,
1: Ohio that say fire Joe Woods. His, a, his wife dragged their husband to that event and he just decided to put that uh, up there. There's,
3: there's this wonderful Twitter account uh, at has Joe Woods been fired yet? And it's <laughs> been an account since about early October and every day they just tweet no or not yet <laughs> or maybe today. And <laughs> then it's like no. It's Great account.
2: Disappointing. I, I would love to see Joe Woods be fired. And another one that I think we might all agree on special teams Mike Prefer in or out. I think he stays. I'm going with out. I want him out, but
3: I think he stays.
2: I agree with Matt, but I agree with Jake's take. I think I would like to see him out, but I think that he will stay.
3: If we get rid of Joe Woods, that is... I'll, if
2: I'll, I'll stop. I agree with you there. If, if Joe Woods is willingly fired by Kevin Stefanski, then I think Kevin Safansky is safe. And before we move into our break, after our little staffing discussion browns do take on the commanders on sunday the commanders just reintroduced carson wentz as their starting quarterback let's take a look into this game how do you see this one playing out for the browns
3: look you know you're out of playoff contention i don't want nick chubb to get hurt i don't want miles gary to get hurt but you know what i just everything you have saved for deshaun watson just air it all out today just everything that you thought you could run 2023 uh, is the year yeah I cry myself to sleep yep
1: you can play freely when nothing's on the line. When nothing's at stake, you can play with an open playbook, and I expect to see that from the Browns this Sunday against the Commanders. Of course, Carson Wentz is back for the Commanders. I feel like Tyler Heineke was kind of getting uh, be, uh, kind of getting readable as a quarterback by other defenses, which for Joe Woods, who knows, maybe Tyler Heineke would put up 50 points against. But for the Browns, open up the playbook and i really expect a great game out of the browns offense in a game that the weather is supposed to look really nice in washington
3: 60 degrees please yeah. just i i need like a deshaun Watts, like i like just give me like three four touchdowns just so like we can just stop being just like just the browns punchline jokes can be put aside for one week please.
2: absolutely and before we head into our break our around the rue question this week If you don't know, Around the Rue is where we debate around the table and bring the question to you on Twitter. This week's Around the Rue is, if Kevin Stefanski were to be fired, who would you want to see as the next Browns head coach? You're going to want to head over to our Twitter to see those options. Make sure you vote. It'll be up immediately following the show. So guys, we're going to head into our next break, and when we come back, it'll be some NFL talk, talking about Thursday night football, tonight's game between the Cowboys and the Titans, and so much more NFL headlines, and of course, our NFL pickups. You won't want to miss it, so stick with us right here on WZIP. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk. Once again, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me is... Matt Pribucah. And Jake Moran, And we are back talking about the NFL. First off with tonight's Thursday night football contest between the Cowboys and the Titans. And of course, this one hurts a little bit extra for Jake as the big storyline is Derrick Henry will not be playing in tonight's matchup. Also a big storyline that just came out right before the show is that Josh Dobbs will be starting for the Tennessee Titans. Josh Dobbs, if you don't know... Is a rocket scientist, first of all, and was released by the Cleveland Browns not too long ago. He was the third string quarterback behind Deshaun Watson and Jacoby Brissett. I'm a big Josh Dobbs fan. We'll see how he does tonight. Matt, I'll start with you. What are your predictions for tonight's game?
3: What are my predictions? Well, it's looking like it was looked like it was gonna be a Dallas blowout before the Derrick Henry news. After the Derrick Henry news, it looked like it was gonna be even more of a Dallas blowout. And Josh Dobbs making his first career start tonight after six years. This is really spelling a night for Cowboys fans to be really obnoxious. I'd expect them to take care of business pretty uh, pretty comfortably. I think I'd probably score around 27 to 6. It's probably my, probably my official prediction. I do have some uh, skin in this game. In my 14-man league, if you listen to the fantasy podcast, you know I talk about that one a lot, I somehow made the championship as the seventh seed. And... <laughs> The playoff, it's only this week because we put in a rule we don't want anyone like. We don't want the week 18 where people don't play because of rest. I have Derrick Henry's backup tonight. I forget his name because I learned his name yesterday when I saw him on waivers. <laughs> and I need him to just get me more than 10 points because this prize pool of $500 sounds really, really enticing. So, Jake. I'll, yeah.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm not in a
3: 14. Man, lead it is the most stress- five hundred dollar. It is the but. most stressful thing I've ever signed myself up for, and it's yeah. also the most fun, mostly because I am winning. But that's fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really have much to add. The Cowboys they've blown out teams this season. They beat the Vikings forty to three, and the Titans are super short handed. I expect this to be a big Cowboys game tonight. And like you said, Logan, very unfortunate for me with Derrick Henry not being on the field. It is very unfortunate for you and unfortunate for the Tennessee Titans. I do see the Dallas Cowboys
2: coming away with this one. Should be a good game tonight, of course, on Amazon Prime for those of you who have not been paying attention this season. The exclusive home of Thursday night football for the foreseeable future. But moving ahead into some NFL headlines. First big headline that comes out of today is Derek Carr was benched by the Raiders Remind you, Derek Carr just signed a major extension just this past offseason with the Raiders, but now he is headed to the bench, which really upset his star wide receiver, Devontae Adams, who he's friends with, has been playing with since college. Now the Raiders are moving forward with Jared Stidham, who is Josh McDaniel's old backup quarterback in New England, which a lot of people are criticizing. That's the only reason that Jared Stidham is getting the nod today, because he is Josh McDaniel's project, per se. Matt, I'll start with you. What does this mean for Derek Carr going forward, and how does this affect Josh McDaniels and the Raiders?
3: Look, If if I'm Derek Carr, that has to feel like the biggest middle finger of all time. Like when Derek Carr signed that contract extension last offseason, he said at that press conference, he said, I'd rather retire than play anywhere else but the the Las Vegas Raiders and to be dismissed from the team while you're still mathematically in playoff contention. What kind of awful, just like, like, Personal management, like human to human management, is that by Josh McDaniels? Like how Derek Carr was beloved in that locker room. Devontae Adams, the reason he came to Vegas, not only because of the money, it was because of his college friend Derek Carr. Like how do you, like how are you, Josh McDaniels, going to walk into that locker room and not just have a target on your back by every single one of your players? Like if you're Derek Carr, that has to be one of the most disrespectful things. That has ever, that's probably ever happened to you. He was crying at press conferences because he cared so much. And you're just throwing him out the door quite literally after you let him on to believe he was there long term with that contract extension. It was just... I'm so glad Josh McDaniels was never hired as the Cleveland Browns head coach because, oh my gosh, this the writing was on the wall for a long time. This is just absolutely just a terrible, terrible decision by the McDaniels.
1: Jake? Yeah, yeah, that was well said, Matt. And I feel like the you know there are reports out there saying that he was only benched because they didn't want to risk him getting injured in the final two games that would hurt his trade value. Yeah. So it really looks like Derek Carr's career as a Raider is over. And according to that one press conference a while ago where Derek Carr said yes. he would not want to play for any other team, his NFL career could very well be over.
3: Oh man, here's the thing: you say trade value, they set up his contract where. Jordan Schultz reported this last, uh, last night. He tweeted this out. He said, it's quite possible Derek Carr is just outright cut because his contract, he has three years left on it. 2023, he's owed 33 million guaranteed. 24 and 25, he's owed 41 million each year. If the Raiders are to just cut him, they'd only have to eat five and a half million dollars of that contract. So, I mean, it's looking like he might not even get traded. He would have gone... The Raiders last year, during, like, the Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, they probably could have got two first-round picks for Derek Carr. And now he's probably going to be a free agent. Is that... Like, that is absolutely absurd.
2: It's disheartening, because Derek Carr's a good guy.
3: He is, man. He's a really good dude.
2: And if the Raiders are really being smart here... They're not. Devontae Adams only came to the Raiders... To play with Derek Carr. And has said
3: that publicly. That's what his Instagram post said today. He The reason I went to Las Vegas. It, God, they it, are, it's, a, it's a picture of uh Derek playing with like Devontae's kids or like relatives of Devontae too. It's like those guys are close. Like it's not like they played together in college but like never really like were friends, they were just on the same team. It wasn't like that. Those guys hung out with each other constantly in the off season too. Like they were like were legit friends and not just product of circumstance.
2: Do you think that this could mean the end for Devontae Adams as well? Whether it's by trade or just I'm not I, playing for you. I could
3: see him asking to one out. I th- I certainly think with the wide receiver market what it's going to be this off season. I certainly think if you're going to overpay for someone, you might as well overpay for Devonte Adams. Right. And if you're going to cut Derek Carr, you kind of need to get some draft capital back. So I could see that happening. But if you are going to bring in another quarterback, I don't like. How would you attract another quarterback if you weren't going to say, "Hey, here's Devonte Adams," like? You wouldn't get anybody.
1: Right. Jake? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you're looking at the one factor that led Devontae Adams to Las Vegas, you take away that one factor. Why is there any reason for Adams to stay with Las Vegas? And there are other teams that are desperate for a star wide receiver that I think that might have the draft capital that could give that up to acquire a guy as skilled and as talented as Devontae Adams. I don't think Adams' career is over by any means. Derek Carr, certainly it could be, but Adams, I think he would find success anywhere he
3: goes. I'm going to put this theory out. I think this is just a really, and I mean absolutely terrible sales pitch to get Tom Brady. I think it's an absolute, because his contract's up with Tampa Bay this year. It's kind of, the writing's on the wall. He's not coming back to Tampa Bay. Josh McDaniels and Brady are bros, and at the same time, if you clear Mm -hmm. out the quarterback for Tom Brady, it's like, hey, Tom, look, you can come. You know, work with me again. You could stay at the Bellagio, and you could throw to Devonte Adams as some sort of sales pitch. And I think it's just terrible mismanagement. And when Brady does not choose to go to Las Vegas, I think this is going to look even more awful. Like this was like take any Cleveland Browns move and multiply it by five. Like this was like other word other, other wordly terrible. It,
2: you know, Matt, I didn't see it that way, but now that you say it. Yeah, that's 100% the possibility that Josh McDaniels is. I think it's
3: a really, really poor, really poorly thought Definitely. out recruit. Because, you know, the, the, the famous Tom Brady, like uh, his podcast is like, you know, you're sticking with that, that guy, you know, that quote. It was heavily speculated that it was Derek Carr for a while. And if like if you're Josh McDaniels and you're close with Tom Brady and like it turns out Derek Carr was that guy. That might be like the most... Oh, Sorry, just thinking that out right now. Just moving off the guy that like Brady despises to try to get Brady and just to ruin a franchise.
2: Definitely a tough situation for the Raiders. And I could see... Again, I didn't see it that way, but now I do. And it's a terrible sales pitch in my opinion as really well. Really
3: terrible one. Hey, Devontae Adams in Vegas, don't look anywhere else but that. Don't look at the rest <laughs> of our roster. Don't look at our owner with the bowl cut. <laughs> Devontae and the Bellagio.
2: Absolutely. I did not have this in the outline, but I did want to ask this to you guys as well. There's been a lot of rumors swirling that DeAndre Hopkins could end up in Cleveland. Per- by some chance, it well, so, is something that's been circulating. I were, wanted to get your opinion. So, where are these
3: rumors coming from? It, fans? Not fans, like, but at this it's coming from a place where Devonte, I mean sorry, DeAndre Hopkins' contract and Kyler Murray's will actually take Arizona over their cap limit. With the guaranteed cap hit from both of those, and since you just signed Kyler Murray to that massive extension in the offseason with the Call of Duty clause, you're not going to move off Kyler. So that kind of makes DeAndre the uh, the, 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 uh, the the cap casualty, the salary dump. So that's where that's stemming from. And, uh, until I hear it from you know like an actual verified right. reporter, I'm not going to get too caught up into that. But I definitely I don't I don't think it's all smoke and mirrors and fan rumors. I do think there is some roots of validity in at least those fan theories.
1: Jake, yeah, I mean it's a great theory if you're a Browns fan, but I don't think there's any substance to it. I mean, I think you brought some to it, Matt, by saying you know, the the cap space well, for that, the Cardinals. But- there,
3: that's why it's like it, it's a fan theory with like actual at least some actual foundation outside of just like. Right. uh, Crazier things we've heard. The
1: rumor is Hopkins might not be a Cardinal next year. Yeah. The Browns fans are twisting that to be Hopkins could be a Cleveland Brown next year. I, I think... I, like, that's where it's coming from. And I don't... Like you said, Matt, I'm not going to take it for anything until I actually hear and, it from somebody Until I maybe.
3: hear it from, like, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, uh, Tom Pelissaro, Albert Breer, until yeah, it's from one of local those people. Yeah, yeah, Until it's from coming from, like, their Twitter account or from their word of mouth, I'm really not going to look into it at all.
2: 100%. I agree. Until there's a verified reporter, it's all just smoke and mirrors right now. But I would say... Let me ask you this before we move on. Is it something that, if a verified reporter were to report this, is this something that you would entertain as a Browns fan? Oh, yeah.
3: oh Definitely. And I think that's why a lot of Browns fans are talking themselves into it is because of uh, DeAndre and Deshaun's uh, time in Houston. They were a prolific duo together, and I think that's what fans are clinging to. It's like, oh, we could, rec- we could recreate that in Cleveland. And it's, it, again, it's fan theory unless it, it, it now, if, It comes out that, hey, you know, uh, DeAndre will be getting moved. I will be the first person to pilot the DeAndre Hopkins to Cleveland plane. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: I mean, at their peak, Watson was considered a top three quarterback in the league. And Hopkins was considered the best receiver in the league. Like, those were widely common beliefs among NFL fans and analysts. And if you're considering reuniting those two players in Cleveland, yeah, everybody's going to be on board. Yeah. 100%.
2: 100%. Moving on from De- DeAndre Hopkins and the Browns into a very sore subject for a lot of people, but for Broncos fans, not so much. Nathaniel Hackett was fired before the end of his first season, and that has only happened one other time since 2007, and that was Urban Meyer last season. What is next for the Denver Broncos filing this abysmal hire and this abysmal fire? And the way that Russell Wilson has looked as of recently, getting blown out by Baker Baker, interception maker. Really unbelievable.
3: Denver is in all sorts of trouble. And the, f- the, the kind of ironic thing about this was, this was all done by the old ownership. Remember, Denver was bought out by, uh, the uh, I forget the actual family, the founders of Walmart. Right. They bought the Broncos officially in June. When all of the Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett hires were in February and March. Like they had absolutely no part of any of this and now they're literally left to pay the bill on all of this. Denver is no other way to say it but screwed. Like they are massively screwed. They have to pay an aging Russell Wilson 240 million dollars over Russell Wilson's under contract at least 41 He's 33 now and he looks this bad. Wait till he's 41. Oh my! And then uh, they do have that great defense right now, but at the same time, if you're if you're they traded Bradley Chubb. If you're uh, Jesse, uh, so Jesse Bates. No, that's the Bengals' certain Jeffrey Simmons. That's the guy I'm thinking of. If you're Jeffrey Simmons, like. How do you show up to practice every day knowing that you're kind of just screwed with a quarterback that's going nowhere but down, and an and pretty much an incompetent offensive coach around you? I Denver is they're they're done for, man. They're mm. done for.
1: Jerry okay. Judy just rattled off like five tweets supporting now, supporting Russell Wilson. Okay, yeah, okay, so, okay. Interesting stuff there, at least. But yeah, I mean it's. It's a zoo over there in Denver, man. I mean, they are going through some things right now. And Russell Wilson took some of the blame. He felt bad for not playing good enough for Hackett. And who knows? Maybe they can turn it around. I don't think so. But, I mean, Jerry Judy sticking up for his teammate, I think, at least means something.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you got to have faith in Russell Wilson if you're going to pay him that much money. Whether it was your ownership or not, Russell Wilson is hasn't looked like it this season but you got to remember this is a guy that won the Super Bowl. This is a guy that has the qualifications to be a star quarterback. It's just a matter of he's got to have the people around him to make it happen and he needs to he needs to have the right head coach. And speaking of head coaches There's a big name that's been circulating and slightly linked to Denver, but I know Matt has a different opinion. We'll get into that. And that name is Sean Payton. For those of you who don't know who Sean Payton is, he is the former head coach of the New Orleans Saints. His rights are still owned by the New Orleans Saints, but he is interested in making a head coaching comeback. He, quote-unquote, retired a few years back. Dennis Allen took over for him in New Orleans, but due to the fact that he retired before his contract was up, the Saints are still in possession of his coaching rights. So wherever he goes... The Saints will receive much compensation. There's been a lot of teams swirling around about Sean Payton. The Broncos are one of them. Matt, I'll start with you. Where do you think the most likely situation for Sean Payton would be if that occurs this upcoming season?
3: I think the most likely situation that we see Sean Payton, it's the broadcast booth. I don't think there's any job worth taking right now. I think it looked like in October and November, he thought he would land the Chargers job and to get Justin Herbert. But looking at it now, after they've clinched the playoffs, it'd be stupid to fire Brandon Staley right now, at least just like from just a results-based Hey, you brought in Tom Arth. Why would you want to fire him? Brandon Staley's not Tom Arth, but at the same time, like these are all the head coaching positions that are either open, will be open, or I think will come open. And let me know which ones you would take. Houston? No. No, right. Indy? No. Also No. Tennessee, maybe if they implode, that's a maybe.
2: Uh, and even I, that is isn't even that's
3: no. Is no. The Broncos, mm. if he wants to go with Vic Fangio, Vic then Fangio no. got thrown out of town. I don't think that's happening. Carolina, mm. they're a mess.
2: I think Wilkes gets that job. To be honest, with you. I
3: I could see that. Do you go back to New Orleans? You think Dennis Allen's going to get fired? If they want Sean Payton back, yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay without Tom Brady, that also sounds terrible. And then Atlanta with uh, Marcus Mariota. Potentially could open up That also sounds terrible I don't think there's a job That he would want You know the phrase Beggars can't be choosers He's not a beggar This guy He's a Super Bowl champion He gets to He, he okay. can get his pick Of whatever job he wanted If he doesn't see one Just go in the TV booth and Or do nothing And wait Exactly
1: Yeah that's a great That's a great point Matt He's a hot commodity right now Among head coaches Right He will take what he wants And if there's nothing good He doesn't need to take it Yeah He can take one the following year, the year after that. He's not in a rush to take a job. He retired for a reason, and if any team... I could even see him going back to the Saints. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but I I haven't heard that take, and I think Matt's absolutely right that he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do right now. I 100% agree.
2: I don't see Sean Payton ending up with the Saints, to be quite honest with you. However... If he's looking for something this upcoming season, Matt is correct. There are not many jobs out there that would be intriguing to a guy like him. And why would he want to? If he could potentially just wait, he is in the position to just wait because it also depends on the New Orleans Saints. They, Matt, you're probably more educated in this than I yeah. am. Are they able to say no? Like, can they tell people no? So we're not- Sean
3: Payton can work. He can interview with other teams. If it so, let's say. Excuse me. He does become the Denver Broncos head coach. He can reach a deal with the Broncos, but it will not be authorized by the league until Denver and New Orleans have agreed to some sort of trade package that uh, is agreed upon by the Saints. So he can go around and interview, like he can. He can do that because you know he's retired technically. But uh, before he can sign his contract and join a staff, he does have to have a trade be processed.
2: So what if you were? What if there was no? Say he were to be the head coach of the Broncos. Yes. What if the Saints just do not want him to coach anywhere else? Can they just say no? Nope, like you know, you're not coaching anywhere At else. At this
3: point, like, if you're Denver, you really kind of have to just say screw it. Whatever it takes to potentially save this franchise, because you know, like, Denver's situation is different. I I could only see New Orleans doing that if he went somewhere in the NFC South. I really just think they would say, hey, just give us give us two thirds, and he's yours, basically, because they're moved on.
2: Right. I, I agree. I think it's unlikely that we see Sean Payton anywhere this upcoming season, but I wouldn't take the Saints off the board. The Broncos would have been my most likely destination, but if you're right, if he wants Vic Fangio, there's no way Vic <laughs> no. Fangio is going back there. Not after being a head coach, and then you got to go and take a back seat to a team that you literally ran two years ago. Right. I just don't see that happening, no matter who your head coach is. I don't care. It, it'll never happen. Next up, it is time... For the WZIP fantasy football championship. And looky here, I'm sitting with the two finalists in the league. I didn't expect this today. I wasn't I was writing out the outline and I was gonna have Matt give an update on the league, and I admit I hadn't paid attention the last week and I was like, Oh, they're both on the show and they're in the finals. So here we are. Time for the fantasy football championship. I'll let you guys hash it out as we head into it this week.
3: I don't think I'm going to win. Matt, you've got to have confidence. What what is my confidence going to do? My players don't know who I am, dude. Whatever I think is not going to change anything. It's fantasy football.
2: Hey, they care, Matt. I promise. No,
3: they don't. You know how many times <laughs> players will like put on Twitter, "I don't care about your fantasy team." After they have like a bad game, they don't care at all.
1: Jake, how are you feeling? I will say this, Matt. You have done a good job at effectively planting a seed of doubt in my mind. Because I was so I'm,
3: confident... I'm laughing maniacally right now. And so saying.
1: arrogant in that Fantasy Football Preview podcast, which, by the way, is available on all podcast platforms, SPT Overtime. Go listen to that. Yeah, go listen to that. I was so arrogant. And I, you said, we'll have the championship back on. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll see you there. I'll see you there.
3: Yeah, he did say that. And then he walked off the yeah. set. And that was... Like, yeah, oh that my, was
1: my walk-off. What? I was very arrogant. walk off, man. There is a seed of doubt in my head because Derrick Henry's out and because... I have so many good players that they might not be playing next week because they're on playoff teams. We'll see what happens, though. I am still projected to outscore you this week, but projections really mean nothing, and uh, hopefully I can get that crown. Should be a great matchup. Matt, any final thoughts?
3: I want the epic bragging rights
2: so bad. I'm hoping Matt wins, just because I don't want to hear it from Jake. I don't want to hear it from Jake Goat. Alex Henry doesn't want to see Jake Murray win. Nobody really wants to see Jake Murray we win. We
3: need someone from the fantasy pods to win the championship. We want to like, keep
1: their credibility. Yeah. I want to buy like a WZIP Super Bowl ring and just kind of buy wear a, that every oh, single. We, we could time. arrange buy a, that.
3: Buy a champions belt.
1: We could arrange that. Jake. Champions I have have one.
3: belts are much okay. I have one for my, my other league. Cooler. We that's, could arrange that. That's awesome. Let's get it
1: done.
2: You guys hear to here first? At we the, will have. The, the will, the university, university,
3: will you buy me one if I win? At the university's mm-hmm. dime.
2: Sure, with my twenty dollars, in my bank account. Sure, absolutely, Jake. I got you, man. All right guys, before we close out our show, we always do this at the end of our show. We have NFL pick 'ems and it's unique this week because we get to add Thursday night to our pick 'ems. Starting off with Cowboys at Titans tonight on Prime Video at 8:15. I'll
3: take them Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys by
2: a million. All right. And then moving ahead, we have Browns and Commanders. I
3: I'm am No, no, I'm going to do. It. I'm taking the Browns. I was, gonna, oh, no, I was is, getting sad, but I'm like, no, Matt, you can't do this now.
1: Yeah, NFL pick are going to be back on our Twitter page at WZIP Sports this week. The picks that we are tracking, Browns, Commanders, Browns. I'm picking the Browns. All right, I'm also going to take the Cleveland Browns over the Commanders now that they
2: have nothing to lose. Next up, Cardinals at Falcons.
3: Do I have to? I think this
1: is Trace McSorley versus Desmond back. Ritter. Cole McCoy's back. Okay, yeah, McCoy's is, back. McCoy- Doesn't is matter. Still a backup. I'll change my pick. I'm going to go with Cardinals because of that.
3: I'll take the Falcons if I have to.
2: <laughs> I'm taking Desmond Ritter. I'm taking the Falcons over the Cardinals. All right. Cole McCoy, man, love you. Really, really do. I I liked you in Cleveland. Okay. I do, personally. Interesting. All right, next up we got Bears and the Lions. I'll
3: take Detroit because they're playing for something.
2: I'm also taking Detroit. I will also take Detroit, although Justin Fields is always good for a decent game and sometimes... He can break your heart.
3: It's crazy highlight, but it turns out he still loses. Or he has like a 75-yard yes. touchdown yes. run, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And then you check the box score later on, and it's Bears lose by double digits. No.
2: Next up, we got Broncos and Chiefs. 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 Chiefs, 100%. Not even close. Next up, Dolphins and Patriots. Dolphins will be without Tua Tagovailoa. It will be Teddy Bridgewater
1: under center.
3: And it's in Foxborough?
1: It is in Foxborough.
3: I'll take New England.
1: I still think Teddy Bridgewater can get it done with that Dolphins offense. I like Miami. New York Giants in the Meadowlands.
3: I'll take the team that's in playoff contention. I'll take the Giants. Upset
2: Colts. I will not pick the Colts. I have an upset, man. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. I randomly threw a
1: pick at the Colts a few weeks ago, and I was right. I'm doing it again. You watch Nick Nick Foles. This is you and the Jaguars, Logan. Okay. When you randomly pick the 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 Jaguars, Jaguars, the Jags win. But when he randomly picks the Jags, the Jags win. I'm randomly picking the Colts for the second time. They won the first time. I'm hedging my bets. All right. I'm going to take the Giants because I think Jake is delusional with that
2: pick. Moving on, we got the Saints and the Eagles.
3: Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah.
2: Five goes five. Even well. if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, they're going to win. 100%. mania. Panthers, Buccaneers.
3: This is for the NFC South. The winner of this game gets a home playoff. That's game. unreal. That is so stupid. I'll take the Buccaneers.
1: Carolina's coming off an impressive 37 23 win over the Lions. The Buccaneers are barely squeaking by bad competition. Give me the Panthers. Sam you
3: know. Darnold hosting <laughs> a playoff game.
1: You know what, Jake?
2: Give me the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers as well. Oh, my gosh. Next up, we got Jaguars and Texans. Jags. Jags. Jags for show. 49ers, Raiders.
3: Oh, 49ers.
1: Niners. Niners. Jets, Seahawks.
3: I'll take the Jets. Mike White's back.
1: Mike White's back. That means the Jets are better. Who would have thought it? Go Jets.
2: Yep, Jets indeed. Vikings, Packers. Rivalry game.
3: This is huge if Green Bay wants to stay in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, revenge game. Aaron Rodgers, Packers. Jake,
1: Vikings on the road. I think they want to kind of spoil that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay momentum they have right now. Give me the Vikings. Also going to take the Vikings. Next up, we got Baker Baker, interception maker
2: in the Rams versus Brandon Staley in the Chargers.
3: Chargers are playing for that uh,
2: five seed right now. I'll take the Chargers. Ride with 17. That's disgusting. You're done. Mike is muted. I'm I'm taking the Chargers as well. I'll never.
3: Seventeen seconds of fame.
2: (laughs) I'll never pick Baker Mayfield. Doesn't matter. Steelers, Ravens,
3: two gross teams. Lamar is out. Is he? Fantasy has Lamar projected to zero points, so I'm going to assume he's not playing. I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: I'm going to go with the Ravens at home. Okay, Steelers as well for me, and then Monday Night Football we got Bills at Bengals. A fantastic matchup here to close out our pickups, Matt. Go
3: ahead. I think Buffalo can secure the one seed if they win this. Don't quote me on that, but I will take Buffalo.
1: Yeah, this is the other pick that we track on our Twitter at Sports. No idea who's going to win. Bills on a six-game winning streak. Bengals on a seven-game winning streak. A huge clash of AFC opponents. Give me the Bills. You know what? I'm going Joe Brr. Joe
2: Burr's going to do it, man. Burr. Bengals are going to win. Guys, that's going to close out our show. Boys, any final thoughts before we close out?
3: You know, I had a lot of thoughts. I think I got them all out of me. So that was Good. fun. We, we should do more shows on 18-hour notice. Two Absolutely. things.
1: One, you just said a little bit ago that you like Colt McCoy, but yet you hate LeBron James. You make no sense to me, Logan. Number two, ride with 17, Baker Mayfield. <sighs> Love you, man.
2: Love you, man. That's, okay.
1: some, that's oh that's man.
2: Culty. Final thoughts for me. Uh, great show, guys. Happy to put this together in 18 hours. It's really all I got today. Um, make sure you tune in to SPT Overtime as my Di- Life as a Division Three podcast was just released yesterday. Great, Check it out great on
3: lesson, lesson all good. streaming
2: platforms. Great, great interviewees. Super excited about the release of this. All right, guys, that is going to do it for us. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Conger, and joining me is Matt Pramuka
1: and Jake Murrin. And that will do it on SPT. Stick with us as we will be back next Sunday.